Amen. Father, we thank you just for the opportunity to gather, to worship you, Father, to get to know you, to get to know each other in a deeper and more intimate way. Father, we pray that your spirit would open our hearts and that you would speak to us and that we would obey. We pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 I thank God for Thursday Thunder. It's such an intimate crowd. You know the real saved people come out on Thursdays. <laughs> Amen. It's such a blessing to be able to talk to you and, and share what the Lord has placed on my heart. I also want to do a quick um, uh, announcement as well. Uh, we have purchased flyers for the marriage seminar that's coming up November 17th. So you will actually uh, be able to grab those this Sunday, this Sunday. So all married couples, married couples, be sure to pick up a flyer. This is for you. This is to be a blessing to pour back into you. How many want our, our marriages to be on fire for one another and for God? Come on, we can be a better testimony when our marriages are on fire for God and for one another. So wanted to just put that plug out there for you. Uh, let me ask you a question. And take a moment and think about it before you answer. What would you do or what would you attempt to do if you knew you could not fail? Failure was not a possibility. Take a moment, think about it. What would you do or what would you attempt to do if you knew that you could not fail? That's to set some of y'all free right now. You know, I believe the spirit of the Lord is calling us to do these things that he's placed in our hearts. For many years, for some of us, it's been nagging at your heart like, man, I want to do it. I want to do it, but I'm afraid. I want to do it. I want to do it, but I'm not sure. Or what if I fall? What if I fail? You know, he's also calling us to support one another so that none of us fail individually none of us fail individually that's not an option he wants us to support one another to the point to where none of us can fail but not only that but even corporately he wants us to succeed he wants us to succeed you know the vision that he's placed on the hearts of our pastors we should all lift that up and not allow it fall you know anybody ever had like that friend that was with you through thick and thin like even if you were outnumbered you know that they would at least fight with you and both of y'all get beat up did anybody have that kind of friend didn't you walk around with such a sense of security why because you knew that that person had your back you knew that that person would not allow you to fail I believe God wants us to have that same security. He wants us to be that same security for our brothers and for our sisters. But also, I believe he wants us to each one of us be what they call armor bearers. You know what that means? We all lift up the vision that God's given our pastors. We all push it forward. We all move it at the same time. How many know our vision statement? We love to mess with our staff and make sure that they, 
have it memorized. But I'll read it for some of you who may not be on staff and you might not have it memorized. Our vision statement is to be a spirit-centered, word-filled gathering of passionate worshipers. You get that? Who pray fervently, love intentionally, and whose hearts burn to see Jesus and to reflect his glory to every creature under heaven. That's powerful, huh? Isn't that a powerful vision? God gave that to our pastors. Pastor Benjamin and Sonny, they were like Moses up on the Mount Sinai with God. And God gave them that vision statement. I want to ask you, when people see you, do they see these things? Like if people were to look at you, would they say you're spirit-centered? Would they say you're word-filled? When they see you, do they see a passionate worshiper? Or is it only when the drums are here? Do you pray fervently? Do you love intentionally? I like that word intentionally put after it. Intentionally, that means sometimes you got to go above an offense to love someone. And whose hearts burn to see Jesus. Does your heart burn to see Jesus? And to reflect his glory everywhere you go. Wherever you go, do people see the glory of God? You know, I, I believe the Father wants to take us to a deeper level of unity and show us how powerful it really is. You know, there's nothing that the enemy fears more than unity. This means that his number one tactic is to do what? Bring disunity into the church. If he can succeed, then the church is crippled. Right? You guys can't say amen. Can't say amen, say ouch. At least that way I know you're here. (laughs) But, In the Bible, it says that one can put a thousand to flight, right? But two can put 10,000 to flight. Did you notice how big of a difference that was? It didn't say 2,000. It said 10,000. So that together we can accomplish more when we actually work together, when we're unified. You see how powerful unity is? You know, we have a great example in the book of Nehemiah. I love the book of Nehemiah because it shows how powerful we are when we actually all come together and unify under one vision. God gave the prophet a burden to rebuild Jerusalem. And you know what? Once he shared his heart with the people, look at what the people said. They said, let us rise up and build. I love that. I love that terminology. Let us rise up and build. I want that to sink into your heart, into your spirit tonight. Because God is calling us to rise up and build. Then it says they set their hands. They set their hands to do this good work. They set their hands. They made a decision. I'm going to push with everything I got to accomplish this. Because I believe that the God has spoken to the man of God. God has spoken to him. So I'm going to put my hands to it. You know, when you put your hands to it, that means you take ownership as well. You take ownership as well. You know, just because we're unified, it doesn't mean that the enemy won't try to discourage us along the way. Now, if you think back to that story in Nehemiah, halfway through it, 
the enemy tried to intimidate them, right? Through who? Sambalai. He started uh, speaking and, and trying to intimidate them. But you know what? They were so unified. It says the people, they kept building the wall because they had a mind to work. They had a mind to work. They were all sold out for the vision. Everybody was sold out. Not just some people, not just a portion. Everybody was. And so they could not be stopped. You know, the world, they understand unity better than we do. Yeah, they do. That's why oftentimes we find ourselves lagging behind the world, right? I want to take you to Genesis 11, give you an example. So you don't think I'm just saying this all off the top of my head. This is a very familiar verse of scripture. It's talking about the people of Babylonia when they began to work together and they built the Tower of Babel. Genesis 11, starting at verse 1, it says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from, from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come. Let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. This is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. You know, let me just interject right there that the enemy will often use that same tactic. He will come down and try to confuse our speech, get us speaking a different language, get us speaking a different vision, right? He'll bring misunderstandings and, and miscommunications. Why? Because then it will stop us. It will divide us from doing the work that God's called us to do. Go down to 8. Verse 8 says, so the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, his name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the, of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over all the face of the earth. You know, even though their intentions were wrong, they were unified. Their hearts may not have been in the right place, but they were unified. And what did God have to say? He said, you know what? Even though their intentions are wrong, they're so unified, nothing is going to be impossible for them. They are actually going to succeed. I won't be able to stop them, right? God knows the power of unity. You know, unity even works for uh, unbelievers. And so... I want us to understand and grasp right now the power of unity. The power of unity. When all of us move together, 
when all of us are pushing in the same direction. It's powerful. You know, even in the natural, in the Bay Area, for those, those of you sports fans, you've seen it. Even with the A's and the Giants. What? Hasn't it been powerful how unified these teams that all the, all the skeptics thought these teams aren't good enough. They don't have enough talent. But look at what they've done. Not only that, look at the way the city and the fans have surrounded and supported them. Hasn't it been powerful? It's electric if you can make it there. I actually made it to the game that the A's made it to the playoffs in. It was powerful. I've been to church services, and most of them can't even compare to that. Because everybody was unified. Everybody was standing. How many times do we come to church and what? One, two, three people in the front are standing. Everybody was standing. Everybody was cheering. Let's go, Oakland. All in tune. Everybody was doing it. It was powerful. You know what? They even interviewed a, a number of the other players from the other teams. They say, you know what? We honestly, we don't want to go to Oakland. Why? Because of the crime? No. They didn't want to go because they looked at that crowd and they saw how much energy and how much support those players felt when they were in their home, their home stadium. And that's just in the natural. We're not even talking about the Holy Spirit moving and empowering us to go beyond that. So let's see, what does unity look like? In Exodus 35, I think it's a perfect example of what unity looks like. You know, Moses, as I said earlier, he had been spending time with the Lord, and the Lord gave him the command on how to build the tabernacle, how to rebuild the tabernacle. And if you look at it over and over, you see from 35 all the way to the end of Exodus, it says that the people, everyone was willing and their hearts moved them. Over and over, you say, him who was willing and whose heart moved him. So Moses didn't even have to manipulate any of the people. He didn't have to use any of man's wisdom or scheming. It said the people who were willing and whose hearts moved them. Everyone gave of their talents and resources. You read, you'll find women say, oh, you know what? I'm skilled in, in sewing. I'll, I'll, I'll give my talent. Someone else say, you know what? I have silk. I have, I have these other things. I'll give that. Men who are builders, I will build. Everyone came together and brought their resources and their talents. And what was God's response when this happened? The glory cloud descended. The glory cloud descended. Why? Because the people were so good? No, because they were unified. You know, unity turns God on. I got to say that. Unity moves God's heart. When he sees people come together and unify, he can't help but put his stamp of approval on it. You know what happens when we are unified? One thing that will happen is our prayer time will go to a whole nother level. An example of that is in Acts 2, right? In Acts 2, it says when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. Let me say that little three-letter word again. They were all together in one place. Everybody was there. Nobody was even trying to say, you know what? 
I don't really know if what Jesus promised is going to happen. No skeptics. They were saying, you know what? He told us to be there. We're going to sit here and just wait, all of us. They all waited. And look what happened. In verse 4, it says, all of them were filled with the Spirit. All of them. How many times we come to church and just, what, one or two people? One or two people are just getting blessed, getting slain in the Spirit. And then we got people sitting down, people walking out in the middle of the message. And I say no names, David. Right? But they were all together and all... I long for the day when everybody is filled with the Spirit, when everybody is encountering the manifest presence of God. You know, Charles just spoke about it. Our 10 days of prayer is coming up. What an opportunity for us to come together and unify. Unify. I know you can pray at home. I know you pray at home. But how powerful is it when we all come together and unify in prayer? You know, as a result of our unity in prayer, you know, another thing that will happen is we'll begin to take the limits off of God. We'll start taking the limits off of him. Our level of expectancy will rise. Jesus spoke about the power of agreement in Matthew 18 and 19. It says, again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. You know, and we tend to just put, like, limits on this scripture. Jesus actually meant what he said. He said anything. We can receive anything if we agree in prayer. There it is again, the power of unity. If we would come together and agree. Our Father said he'll give us anything. Remember that first question I had? I asked you, what would you do if there were no restraints? I'm here to tell you there are no restraints on There are no restraints. He said you can have anything if you come together and agree. Now, the Greek word that Jesus used when he translated agree, it comes from the word symphonize. Now, if you've been to a symphony, you can see it's a manifestation of agreement. Now, I'm from the ghetto, so I've never been to a symphony. So I just have to tell you what I've heard. But what I've heard is before they actually start, all the musicians are playing. They're all playing at the same time. But they're not all playing the same music. So it actually sounds like a ball of noise. It doesn't sound good. Everybody's playing their own thing, doing their own thing. They're not paying attention to what this person over here is playing. Everybody's doing their own thing. But then, Once the orchestra leader stands up and lifts his baton, everybody stops. And now we're going to play the music. And so I'm going to play my part and only my part. And the person next to me is going to play their part and only their part. And you know what begins to happen is everybody begins to harmonize. You know, I I, I love those those. In like in the 60s and the 50s when they used to come up and those guys would be on the street and they just start harmonizing together. No instruments. Just you sing this part, you sing that part, and I'll sing that part. Just start harmonizing. It's beautiful. Harmony sounds good, doesn't it? God created it. And that's his heart's desire for us, for us to complement one another to the point to where it sounds like beautiful harmony. 
That's his heart for us. Now, what is the difference? The difference is the people in the orchestra, they're on one one accord. So no one is on their own. No one is trying to be the, the band leader. Everyone is accepting of the place that they hold. And they hold it with dignity. Like, you see the way they stand? They stand, like, with their shoulders back, right? They take pride in whatever position they've been given. You know, another thing that will happen is every one of us will begin to start finding our place when we unify. Each person will find their place. You ever felt like, man, what is my place? What what is my role? What place do I have? As we begin to unify, God will begin to place us in a strategic place. Romans 12. Romans 12, starting at verse 4, it says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts. According to the grace given to each of us, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. See that? Everybody has a part to play. Every person has a place. Each one of us has a gift. Each one of us. Everyone has a gift. So I want to encourage you to use it to complement your brothers and sisters. Use it to build the body of Christ. Use it as a form of unity. You remember when Pastor Benjamin was talking about synergism? Basically, it's when all of us push in the same direction. We accomplish much more than if we were to do it on our own. You know, I was reading about uh, about this, and they were saying that there's this bridge that was constructed that no matter how many cars are stuck on it or how many go across, it won't go down. But you know the only way it can go down? They said the only way this bridge can go down is if we pack it full of people and they all march at the very same time. That's the only way the bridge can go down. And that's a perfect example of synergy. Everybody is marching and moving and pushing at the same time, in the same direction, in unity. That's what our Father wants. You know, the Bible, it also leaves us a word of warning. You know, the Corinthians, they were a powerful church. Powerful, charismatic. They lacked no gifts. They operated in all the gifts of the Spirit. Powerful. But Paul had to plead with them to agree with one another. He had to literally beg them. Beg them. Please agree with one another. You know, often throughout church history, many of us have seen it and heard about it. Powerful churches, mega churches that ended up dissolving. Why? Because they couldn't agree. They couldn't agree. I think we should do it this way. I think we should go here. I think we should go there. 
or I should be preaching. I'm anointed. I'm called. And because of that, the work of the Lord gets crippled. It gets stopped. You know, even Paul, remember in Acts 15, him and Barnabas had a sharp disagreement. They broke company, went different ways. Even he wasn't immune to it. And so I'm saying this to encourage all of us. If Paul had to be mindful of this, and if he had to admonish so many of his churches, if you read through the New Testament, so many of them he had to admonish them to please agree with one another, then we're not above it either. We're not above it either. And if we do that, if we would agree and and put one another above the other, then we would see God move even greater, even greater. Like even the healings that have started, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Because remember, God is turned on by unity. If we come together with even more unity, even the prophetic words that we think we're receiving now, it'll be off the chain. We wouldn't be able to stop it. You know, let me also say, unity doesn't necessarily mean that we all agree with everything that the other person says. But there is a mature way of disagreeing. It has to be done from a place of submission. We have to submit to one another. And be willing, the other person has to be willing to hear disagreeing arguments, disagreeing points of view, and not take it personally. Not take it personally. You know, that's something I've had to learn in marriage. Come on, married folks know what I'm talking about. It's easy to take things personally, right? They don't see my side of the story, right? But as you mature, you can actually hear someone bringing correction to you and receive it. It actually brings you together more. You're more unified because of it. Is that right? How many marriages can attest? You know, the vision that our Father has given our pastors is powerful, but it won't come to pass unless we unify. Pastor Benjamin can't do it. He just has the blueprint. God gave him the blueprint. We have to go and bring it to pass. God has given us, what did he say? The spirit of Bezalel, right? He's given each one of us insight, wisdom, his own spirit to bring those things to pass. So let this word uplift you. Let it encourage you that you play a part. You play a part. Don't draw back and say, well, no, I can't preach like David. Oh, so, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to tell anybody what my what my true gift is. You know, in Philippians four, it's another example where Paul, he had to plead with. Uh, Yoda and Syntyche to agree with one another. And it's funny, he said, these these were two very strong-willed women in the church. Strong women. And he had to plead with them because you know what was happening? Their disagreement, it wasn't just staying amongst them. It was starting to spread to the rest of the church. And so he had to plead with them to agree with one another. You know, when you have a disagreement, Let me say this. Please be mature and take it to that person. Go to that person. That's the biblical way. Go to that person. Don't talk about it with somebody else that didn't have nothing to do with it. Go to that person. What does he say? He said, even if you are a leader, 
Leave your gift at the altar and go reconcile. We got to get this right because God wants to break out in our church. But say if 20,000 people start coming to live in hope and we all do that. That's a mess. Pastor Benjamin would not want to be the pastor of that church. (laughs) And many of us have seen churches like that where dissension begins to break out. And next thing you know, this person is starting their church. This person is starting their church, right? And the move of God is hindered. Last thing I want to say, I'm not going to belabor the point anymore, but in Ecclesiastes 4 and 12, it says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You see the progression there. That as more and more of us unify, more and more of us dedicate ourselves to the Lord first and foremost, but also to the house that he's placed us in. As we do that, we can't be easily broken. The enemy can't come in and bring dissension easily. You know, sometimes it's so easy for the enemy to get us in the flesh. That shouldn't be. But when we are united, we 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 think we take that person's uh we think best, of, we think the most of them. You know what I mean? Like we give people the benefit of the doubt. How many people make judgments on somebody just when you hear something? But but when we're unified, I say, no, I I know I know Miss Jackie. She wouldn't do that. I know her heart. So there must have been some miscommunication somewhere. You know what I mean? We have one another's back. I know Whitney would not just do that to you. So I don't care what you say about her. I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt. And then I'm going to encourage you to go talk directly to her. Amen? You know, in closing, remember what he said about the Babylonians. Even though they were in sin, they were unified. So nothing that they did would be stopped. I want to encourage you. The enemy is scared of us. The enemy is scared of us. That's why he's trying to bring all this little division and stuff amongst us. Because he knows if we unify, there's nothing he can do to stop us. Do you recognize that people are hearing what's taking place at this church? They're actually coming here to get healed. They're coming here to get saved. I heard what happened in your life. I want that same thing, so I'm going to that Living Hope Church. Word is spreading. And so the enemy has to do what? Bring division, dissension amongst us. Let us be wise. We're not ignorant to his plans, right? To his schemes. We know what he's doing. So if you know what someone is doing, you can thwart it. You can stop it. So when the enemy is trying to rise up those feelings of, you know, I just don't feel close to Alicia. I don't know why. It's just just something. No, it ain't just something. It's the enemy. Come on, call it what it is and judge it. Instead of letting that thing fester, next thing you know, I just, I don't talk to her. That's worldly. Didn't he say that to the Corinthians? Aren't you worldly? Even though all the prophecies are going forth, even though all the gifts are going forth, you're still acting worldly. Let that not be said of us. Let that not be said of us. Let us be aware 
of what the enemy is trying to do. Our pastors are powerful apostles, powerful apostles. So if the enemy can get us thinking wrongly towards them, it hinders the work of God. Each one of you, powerful men and women of God. But if I'm afraid to connect with you, it hinders the work of God. Amen? Father, we thank you, God, that you've spoken to us this evening. God, we hear you. We hear your heart. Father, we pray that you would supernaturally make us one. As Jesus prayed in John 17, Father, make them one as we are one. Lord, we recognize the schemes of the enemy, and we judge it, and we call it what it is. The enemy is trying to bring division in the house of God. But we will not stand for it. Father, we will link arms and unify with our brothers. God, if there has been hurt, if there has been offense, Lord, we will ask for the grace to forgive. God, we thank you that we are moving forward powerfully. And the enemy desires to stop us by any means necessary. But we will not allow it, Father. We will not allow hurt dissension, disagreement to fester in our hearts. But we will judge it and we will only submit our minds and hearts to a spirit of unity. So God, we pray that you will break off every spirit of discouragement. Lord, even for those things that have lingered, God, we pray that you will bring, you will break disillusionment. God, we pray that we would move together as one, as one unit, Father, because we are powerful together. Apart, we are weak. God, let that revelation just sit in each one of our hearts and minds. That apart, we are weak, but together we're strong. So, God, we thank you for the work that you're doing in each one of us and in this city. And in the nations abroad that you've called us to, we honor you, God. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I bless you all. I didn't want to keep you long, but I pray that you will be intentional about unifying with one another. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday.